but we realized that with one new big opportunity coming in the door, we might have to put something on pause. And so with that, um, What's up, guys? Welcome back to another wonderful episode of Adulting Like a Mother Father. This week is brought to you by our friends at That's It. If you don't know That's It or you haven't tried them yet, they make these amazingly delicious fruit snack bars. They're made with only 100% real fruit, and uh, they are good. Uh, you'll never eat one of them. I'll tell you that right now. If you haven't tried That's It yet, we've got a great deal for you guys later in the show. This week is also brought to you by our friends at Kinder Beauty, the best in vegan, cruelty-free beauty products, and Drew Coffee, the the best in coffee. Uh, that may be biased, but I, I said it, all right? If you're about your coffee game and you haven't tried Drew yet, you can always get 30% off your first order at drewcoffee.co. Great deals for you guys, so listen in later in the show. But until then, as always, sit back, relax, or baby, keep it pushing. This is still the right show. Yeah, we'll meet you where you are in your life or your car. If you need or your fire, you got a cat or a dog. Good vibes or probably in school or got a job. We just want to know who you are. So we can say thank you for listening to Adulting Like a Mother Father. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Yay! Welcome back to Adulting Like a Mother Father. I'm Danielle Monet, the mother. And I'm Andrew, the father. And we're both... Adults. Adults. <laughs> Did you forget there? I was Whoa. about to say, and we're both really fucking hoping that this SD card <laughs> writes the way it's supposed to this time. <laughs> Holy shit, oh, guys. Oh, man, you guys. Um, it's, been a, it's been a moment, but we've got this figured out, I think, and um, so timely, right? Like coming off just a wild three days um you guys will hear more when we get into it um with our amazing guest today we have jessica baum on the show who i've been looking forward to having on the show for probably the last few months and honestly since we started this entire podcast i wanted someone who can speak on our relationship a bit and also just relationships in general a lot of us have been hearing about attachment styles and i feel like that's like something a I'm curious about, so I'm sure some of our listeners are as well. Um, so the conversation got deep quick. We did answer a bunch of your questions, so thank you for sending those in. Um, I, I want to quickly detour a bit. There's a lot to cover before we get into our, our segment with Jessica. Um, first of all, I want to thank Kelly for her episode last week. It was really awesome, and we got a great response in the DMs, so I'm glad you guys related to her. She's just such a light and so fun. Um, so that was a great episode and also, um, a bit of a bomb <laughs> in regards to, um, I don't know how I segued there, but it, it has to do with Kelly in a way. So something really kind of epic has fallen into my lap and, um, it feels like I almost manifested this opportunity because as you guys know, I've been vegan for over 20 years and I've always wanted to be able to help other people, um, just adapt to this kind of lifestyle if that's something that they want to do. But I've never really put together a 
proper tool set, you know, like something that could make it very easy and um, seamless. Um, In a lot of ways, like it's really not my forte. I'm not an expert in like food or nutrition or any of those things. So to make this very concise, (laughs) I've been able to team up with this incredible team of people, a very large amount of them all. Actually, we had a massive kickoff call and there were probably about 10, 10, 15 people on this call, but there are more that are also involved in making this come to fruition. And um, why I mentioned Kelly and what you guys probably heard last week is that Kelly's been such a pivotal asset to us and helping us like grow our brand and really helping a lot of our brands like take shape. One of them being Daniela's Digest, which I think really has the legs right now. To me, like that space, that, that, even though it's just an Instagram account at this point, like it brings me a lot of joy. It's clean, it's light, it's bright, it's friendly, it's approachable, it's, it has info, it has just some tangible tips and how to live like a more conscious, ethical lifestyle. And it makes me happy. And I want to really speak to that audience, that side of like my life that really, um, feels purposeful. So tying Daniela's digest in with like these tangible tools that are going to take a ton of effort and a ton of resources, a ton of our time. Um, I just feel lucky that I was able to loop Kelly in. So we did, we, I looped Kelly in. She was on this call with us. Um, and the second we got off the call, um, I called her and I very quickly realized that, um, and we were kind of on the same page with this, that bringing this program to life can be a game changer and um, it's going to take a lot of time and we run very slim. Our bandwidth is slim. It's really just us and Kelly. Um, and hopefully with the support of this team, like we'll be able to do this really well. But we realize that with one new big opportunity coming in the door, we might have to put something on pause. And so with that, um, we are going to be taking a brief hiatus from adulting like a mother father and um, putting that time that we would have allotted for this episode in the podcast towards what I think will be really awesome and hopefully a big game changer for a lot of lives. Um, So that's what we're doing. This isn't the last episode, but this is um, the second to last episode. (laughs) So (laughs) it feels so weird, but you know, in a lot of ways it feels um, right. I don't know. Do you agree? I do. Yeah. I didn't think I'd feel, uh, I hate admitting this. I didn't think I'd feel sad, but I feel a little sad. It's weird, yeah, right? It's not, it's not goodbye. It's we'll see you again. Oh gosh. <clears throat> I know it's a little too deep for you, maybe yeah. for some others, whatever, but that, that's how I think. I, um, you know, this conversation that we just had with Jessica Baum, uh, you guys are going to hear it shortly is it just slapped me in the face before we started recording right now. It's like, that was the reason we did the show, mm-hmm. you know, and like, was... what a, what a note to end on. Like yeah. the quality of this conversation, the quality of adv- like advice and just like, this is what we wanted to do this for. You said that so perfectly. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, it, it's a great one. Like she said, we have one more after this. It's a great one to sort of, uh, um, leave you on temporarily. Leave you ish on, um, but yeah, just you know, it's 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 bittersweet. I think I think it's important in life. And and the conversation with Kelly last week was was actually a great segue as well because we talked about you know spending time to think about what you got going on and reshift your focus if you need to. And and it's it's okay and it's good to do that. And uh, that's that's what's happening here. So uh, 
for that reason. It's sweet for like really tasting what we love about this Mm -hmm. and then taking a break that that's the bitter part. Totally. And I think like when we come back, our focus will then be shifted. It'll be like an appropriate move and we'll put like that much more energy and gusto behind it because we care so much about this community because truthfully the last two and a half, three years, and I'm going to cry, have been such a roller coaster. And like to come here and be able to like just talk. And... It's okay. <laughs> and elevator um, music. <laughs> no, like through like, think about it, like Geo's, Geo's birth story to like all the way through Ivory's birth story and like everything in between, you know, all Mm -hmm. just the madness. And like, I know we've said this so many times in past episodes, but for a lot of the last few years, like this has been the, some of the most intentional time Andrew and I have had together. And like, you know, it's crazy that we share oh, that shoot. with gonna, our audience. What are we going to have now? <laughs> I'm hoping that we carve out like time yeah, for us. Like we make this really purposeful and really um, beneficial in more ways than one. Like, I just hope you guys also can support it because I don't want to lose everyone. You know, like when we come back, like I want to, I want to pick up where we left off and hopefully have so much more like gas in the tank. Yeah. I agree. But it, it like when, I did when not we decided see we, that coming <laughs> at the, all. The crying at all. I saw it coming. Really? Yeah, of course. It's just when I think about like the when I think about literally showing up to the studio the first time, and crazy just for me beyond. Yeah. Like I, and when I think about putting this deck together, like adulting like a mother father on Canva, like going into different iterations and like oh how can I how can I squeeze as much into this deck and like who do I take it to and like sitting in the pitch for, for podcast one, like all of it was really exciting. And like, I had no idea that here we would be like three years later sitting in an office that we're renting, like, so that we can create this for everyone who's listening and to be so, so hundred with you guys. Like I believe in this big time. And I, for so long have said adulting, like a mother, father is so much bigger than just a podcast. Like, yes, it's a community, but it's like a lifestyle in a lot of ways. Like our account, like if you follow us on Instagram, you know, but it's like, there's levity, there's info, there's, um, just like touching moments, like all of it. It's, it's all about adulthood and just like making it a bit more slapsticky in a way, like making a play on just having to grow up and dealing with life. For sure. And like navigating it all together though, you know, cause there is no playbook and we're all figuring it out. And every person you think that has figured it out, they haven't totally, you know, and it's like, it's just great to like be around people who can recognize that and appreciate that. I mean, just doing it together. Totally. Yeah. So. Wow. So yeah. Okay. All right. So this is this is this is all good stuff. Mm-hmm. It's all good stuff. When we come back, like she said, it's she wants to come back on the same page. It's going to be different. It's going to be different, and it should be different. It should evolve, and it should improve, and all the things, and it will. Uh, but in the meantime, we're gonna hammer down on the things that we believe, um, you know, need to happen. Yes. They just need to happen. Yep. And, um, and so that's where we're at, but, um, just segueing back to, to our conversation that's coming up, you guys, um, to give you a bit more context, 
since we always keep it so real, um, the last couple days or few days have been really challenging. It's been challenging with the kids. It's been challenging with our like navigating different just highs and lows. And like, I'm sure you guys have felt the, the heaviness of what's been going on, you know, in the world and in Texas and the lives that were lost and the conversations that are being had. And like, it's been just heavy. Um, and so we had a heavy conversation last night and it's so odd how I've been waiting to talk to Jessica for months. We had this on the calendar months ago. I know. And it's just like the timing was so impeccable and her energy, you guys like follow her on Instagram. Okay. Because, and I did, but like just having that at your, like your fingertips and not having to like sit through a full session, like use us as the guinea pigs. She's so badass. Like I could just tell she's badass. Yeah. No, she was great. She was great. I feel like, uh, <laughs> personally, I feel like I could try to do a lead in for the conversation, but I think it was just like, it was just really good. I know for my soul, I think you felt the same. And I think for anybody listening, you can definitely walk away with some value and, uh, uh, you're going to see like how cool her style is, how digestible everything is that she says. Um, so I think we just jump into it. Okay. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. More adulting like a mother father when we come back. Eating healthy and nutritious food on the go can be a challenge, but that's it. Fruit bars have been a lifesaver. That's right. Uh, it can feel like some energy and snack bars are just too complex and confusing. Their ingredients list can be a mile long or they have a weird artificial taste. That's it. Fruit bars are the opposite of that. They're made from just one ingredient and that is 100% real fruit. I mean, ask Kourtney Kardashian and the whole Poosh squad. Okay, I'm just saying, seen that ad floating around. See, take their apple and mango bar, for example. This bar contains one whole apple and one whole mango. And by eating this bar, you can get the same nutritional benefits you would get if you were eating those two fruits separately. This is both the vitamin and nutrition. The nutrient content. One of those words will work. (laughs) Uh, These bars pack quite (laughs) a quick hit of natural sugars and carbs. So it's a great snack to have pre or mid-workout. Not to mention the texture of the bar itself is great. It's almost like a fruit leather, but softer and way easier to choose. That's it. Fruit bars are a great choice for athletes on the move. Just like our two children. Yes. (laughs) Okay. And myself, of course, right? Um, They can be easily thrown into a gym bag or a diaper bag or suitcase or a backpack or a lunch bag or a purse, you name it. And if you're looking for a convenient and clean snack on the go, that's it. Fruit bars are for you. That's it. Uh huh. That's it. That's it. Is giving adulting like a mother father listeners a special discount. So if you're looking to try these fruit bars for yourself, head over to that's it fruit.com slash adulting and use code adulting to get 20% off your order. And now back to adulting like a mother father. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jessica, for doing this. You have been a long awaited guest, at least for me. Um, We've been wanting the reason why I just feel like I've been wanting like a coach in the relationship space specifically to come on because we talk so much about our relationship, but we have never had an expert. Um, And so, you know, our listeners are curious too, and we've got some great questions from them. So um, thank you for joining us. 
Thank you so much for having me. It's very exciting to be here. Oh, good. Jessica, if you don't, if you don't mind, like we know a bit about you, but for the listeners who may not know you at all, can you give us like the brief synopsis of who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, My name is Jessica Baum. I'm a licensed mental health counselor. So I'm a psychotherapist and I'm also a relationship coach. And I specialize in imago therapy, which is a special type of relationship counseling, addiction, trauma, anxiety, and depression, but a lot of relational issues. Um, I have a private practice with five other therapists and we work as a team together. And we work on system issues and work with couples individually and collectively. And I just finished a book on uh, anxiously attached, anxious attachment and how to heal that. And yeah, that's where I'm at in my, my journey and my life. And I just love helping people get more conscious about what's really going on inside their relationships. Sure. Well, first of all, congratulations on the book and everything you have going on. It's amazing. Is, Is the book the one that we see behind you there? Yeah, this is the U.S. one, and then this one's going to be in um, Australia. It's the U.K., Australia, New Zealand, and India one. So this is Canada and U.S., so they changed the cover because it's it's complicated. But okay. yes. Interesting. Sure. <laughs> I have a quick question before we get into our listener questions. Recently, I feel like we've been hearing so much more about attachment and attachment styles. Mm-hmm. I wonder, like, from your eyes, is this something that's just always existed. It's always been a part of like your practice, but for some reason, like the normal general public are now catching on using it in like as buzzwords. Yeah. So yeah. Attachment theory is like really one-on-one for us and has been around forever, but it's becoming like more important than knowing your partner's horoscope, which is actually a really good thing because well, we can break it down, but attachment styles are really patterns and they're patterns that show up in our relational space and understanding your own pattern and your partner's pattern can prevent, well, it can prevent pain, but it also just has a lens of starting to understand your relationship dynamics in a new way. And you can start to make sense of things differently and you can heal um, some old things and things just make sense. So it's really amazing that this information or people are starting to talk about attachment styles. I feel like it's not always talked about in the right way, but at least people are starting to become aware. And I think it's a really important thing to know your own patterns and your partner and how how they kind of interact with each other. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, for, for the person who knows nothing about attachment styles, maybe hasn't even heard the, the term before. Can you explain exactly what it is? And then is there for someone who doesn't know theirs, is there a fast track to understanding your own attachment style? Yeah. So there are, so <laughs> it's complicated, but I'm going to do my best. But when you were really, really young and come into this world, you are one energetic unit with your primary caregiver, usually your mother. Um, your father also plays a role and how you are attuned and seen and how you adapted and get your needs met in that role lays down the fundamental blueprint in your nervous system and how you have strategies in terms of getting your needs met. And so those things that happen early on, because you don't have all your systems developed including your parasympathetic system. And even some of your organs are still developing out of womb. So that interaction and those interactions that you have early on do lay a a blueprint around how you feel about relationships, what you do when you're in pain, what your adaptive strategies are, fight, flight, freeze responses, when you are scared, how that shows up 
in early in your early development actually repeats itself when you reattach to an adult later on and you're not even conscious. Maybe the behaviors change, but the sensations in your body and the strategies continue. And there's a lot of science, a lot, a lot of science to show this. So you're not crazy in your relationships. Some of your early adaptations are showing up in your current relationship because that's how you learn to survive. And we mm-hmm. can kind of unpack that more if you want. Yeah, I, I definitely want to, because I want to know if, if like understanding it is one thing, but then also being able to change it is another thing, or if mm-hmm. you should even be focused on that sort of thing. So I, I do want to touch on that, but we want to jump into the listener questions because we have questions for every guest. And like, I feel like nine times out of 10, we don't, we don't end up getting to them because we just talk and talk and talk. Um, so if it's okay with you, I just want to jump into these real quick and then we can come back to this. Sure. Cool. Um, okay. So somebody says, or somebody asks, are breaks healthy and long-term relationships? I think space is healthy sometimes, you know, I, it really depends on the relationship and, um, the respect and the guidelines around the space, but sometimes pulling back, which isn't even a real break, but it helps you kind of see something through a a new lens. I think when we're in it, when we're in the relational space and in the pattern and the pattern continues, continues and continues when you can take space and reflect on the pattern, it doesn't mean when you go back, the pattern is going to continue, but you might have a new um, like a new perspective on the pattern and you might have a new understanding of what was really going on for you inside the pattern. So how you take space, the intention behind the space, all of that is really important. Awesome. Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, this next question is, is similar in a way, uh, but it's, it's kind of on the other end of it. Is it bad to spend too much time with your significant other? No. And again, there are no black and white answers to all of these. Every couple's needs are contingent on that couple. Knowing what your needs are, I would say is more important. So someone with a more anxious attachment style is going to want more one-on-one time. They're going to want more connection because one of their needs is is that connection and reassurance. And someone with a more avoidant attachment style is going to want more independence. So there's no problem spending a lot of time um, with your couple in your couple energy, but knowing what your needs are is really important and not giving up you know, in the beginning, it's normal to lose yourself a little bit in your relationship. In fact, that's part of the relationship phases, but, you know, having your own support network, your own hobbies, your own interest is what keeps the energy in the, the relational energy alive. So you, you want to understand if you're only living in the relational energy, it could get stale or codependent and you're not feeling safe enough to go back into your own energy. So there's a fluidity that happens when you're if you find the right amount of time to spend together, but you can also retreat into your own energy, your own friends, your own interests, and you bring that back and forth so that your relationship evolves and you don't get stuck in like a stagnant place. Yeah. Yeah. On on that note, this is not a listener question, but off the back of this is when you find yourself, uh, like you said, it's pretty normal to lose yourself in a relationship, especially early on when you go years and years, like you, you, you feel like you can completely lose yourself is there a, a right way or a safe way to, to be able to have the conversation around like recognizing that this is what I'm feeling or this is like what we're both feeling and these are the things that I, I may need or, or want to go and do so that I can have my own things or that she can have her own things? Yeah. I mean, so I think having those conversations 
are really important. And if you're dealing with someone with anxious attachment, they might look at that as abandonment, or they might have a harder time uh, being alone or with their sense of self. And there's no judgment there. It's just like, how can I do this for myself and make my partner feel safe? And what do they need in order to feel safe so I can do more of me in a safe way and give them the reassurance that they need? Because the more reassurance that they need to go and do that for themselves, and I can help support that rather than them feeling rejected or abandoned, the more you guys will kind of reinforce you both going out and doing more things for yourself. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Be- I'm so curious to dive more into attachment stuff. <laughs> um, continue. <laughs> Me too. Uh, okay. Another listener has asked, uh, how's it best to have a check-in session with your partner? So check-in to me is like pretty general, but I guess, I guess it would be based on everything. Like just, just feelings, needs, what's going on in life. Is there, is there a best way to do that? Sure. Um, you know, sometimes you can't plan those things cause they just come up, but I think being conscious of, you know, asking your partner, Hey, I really, are you, are you, do you have the availability and can we sit down and just kind of talk about what's going on with us? And, you know, an avoidant person might avoid that an anxious person might do it the second they feel insecure, but really looking for the right timing or saying like, when can we have the space to have these harder conversations or just check in? And if you're asking that kind of question, you want to say, well, what is going on for me to even need the check-in? Am I needing reassurance? Am I feeling insecure? And maybe that the relationship is fine, but maybe I need to ask for whatever that is could just be reassurance. Gotcha. Yeah. I like that. Um, okay. This next one is, is how to navigate relationships when you both like being in control. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, the second stage of a relationship is the power struggle. And so you don't even, you're not even conscious that, you know, we are all trying to control each other. It's happening on so many levels and you can't control your partner period. And I think the sooner you surrender to that, I mean, myself included, Um, what you can control is yourself. You can request things from your partner and a good part of long-term living together and sustainability is realizing there are a lot of things you just can't control and that's okay. And so when you can't control something and it's happening, what is it bringing up in you? And that's where maybe some of your own work is going to show up is in what you're trying to control is usually what you're trying to avoid something within yourself. So kind of reframing it and saying, okay, can't control when my partner does this behavior or does this, I can request. And when they do it, what comes up inside of me? Because that's actually where the gold is. That's Mm -hmm. what you really want to start to pay attention to. Gotcha. Uh, On that note, because I feel like anybody who's been in a relationship long enough would have things that they maybe wish could change or, or actions that they wish they could change from their partner. Is there like is there a way to go about, uh, like you said, requesting a change or does it always come back to self? Is it always more work that you can do on yourself? Uh, it's both. I think you, you can absolutely request a change. What I often see is partners demanding change or thinking that their partner needs to change. Really, when you request, hey, this is what's coming up inside of me when you do this behavior. This is about me. But could you be more conscious because that behavior does impact me 
And this is where it's coming from. And maybe you even can kind of go back five layers and understand that it's, it's deeper than you not taking the garbage out or you missing date night, but there's a wound here, you know, that's, it's much deeper. And so could we ask or request for a behavior change? Sure. It's in how you ask and also realizing that your, your partner could work on a behavior change, but that doesn't mean that it's always going to happen. And that doesn't mean that they don't love you, but they need to become more aware. Oh, wow. This really deeply hurts or touches my partner in this way. Can I become more and more conscious of that and try to be sensitive around it, but it's not their job to change. It's their job to become aware and curious. Um, it's your job together as a couple. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. It sounds complex. What do you, what do you think about, uh, intentionality? So if, if like, for example, if you know that your partner loves you and there may be things that they do, uh, like, like, let's take us. Just give her an example. No, I I don't have a specific example. I mean, I can throw some out. No, if there's things that I do or that she does, but we know ultimately that those things, they're not, uh, they're not personal or intentional to piss the other person off. Is there a certain point when like intention is, is sort of irrelevant? Like if there's something that, that needs to change, it needs to change. Or if you know that somebody's doing something that bothers you, but you also know it's not intentional, does that come back to self? Um, you know, you're asking like very like concrete yes and no answers. It's, it's both. I mean, it comes back to self. If your partner's intention is to work on it and they're not doing it perfectly and they're still screwing up, so to speak. They're working on it. Cause let's say if we could all change, we would. Right. Mm -hmm. But you know, I think when you can say, Hey, I still did this behavior that I know deeply impacts you. I'm so sorry. I'm aware of it. I wasn't able to catch it in the moment, or I know this is really something that, you know, I'm working on, but if you can acknowledge it, Mm -hmm. it's almost like some of the healings just in that. Right. Mm -hmm. So you know, I, 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 uh, I am a very sensitive person to noise and my partner isn't. And so he's constantly trying to be sensitive. He likes to sleep with the TV on and, you know, we'll turn it down. I'll wear earplugs. Like we're constantly trying to find compromises. He can't possibly be tuned into how freaking sensitive I am. You know, he, he doesn't know. And so sometimes I get frustrated with him and the truth is he's not living in my body. He doesn't Mm -hmm. understand what it feels like. I have to be more sensitive to the fact that he's just being him. He's not trying to, you know, upset me. And he probably is trying most of the time to be conscious of my sensitivity to noise. So I think being uh, more, I guess, being more forgiving and recognizing what is working and how that person is trying is better than focusing on the fifth, the one time that they messed up or the three times. And if they did mess up or something happened and you're aware of it, acknowledge it, like say, Oh yeah, I know this really upset you. And today, you know, today I got caught off guard and it happened and I'm sorry, or, you know, I'm, I'm working, I'm a work in progress like yeah. you are too. Right. Yeah. Sure. Totally. Yes, totally. totally. What, what would you say? Do you have something? Cause I go uh, ahead, go ahead. I have a burning question here. Go ahead. What would you say to somebody who, uh, I'll, I'll be very vulnerable here. I, I recognize in myself that I have a tendency. It's like, it almost feels like it's within my DNA to see the things, uh, that are wrong or need improvement versus, uh-huh a lot of the things that can be right. Is it, is it muscle memory at this point? Like, is this, this is changeable and it's just a, a, like a reframing of how I think and it's practice, practice, practice. 
you know, I think our, our brain is all is wired to notice what's not working. Like that's part of how we're wired. We constantly will focus on the pain or we'll focus on what's not working. And so you're not alone in that. And um, one of the things we do in couples counseling is like an appreciation thing in the beginning Mm -hmm. and it gets very deep and it sounds silly. Okay. An appreciation thing. But it's like we spend all day long and we can focus and our brain is wired to focus on what might go wrong or what feels wrong. We do not spend nearly enough time in our relational space focusing on what is right. So I would tell like couples a lot of times to spend time in the morning, even if it's like, wow, we made it through the year or the last five years or the last month something in this is working. Can we validate what is working instead of always focusing on what we want to fix? Cause it's not sometimes even in the fixing, you know, we can't always fix everything. Sometimes it's just in the being with this person is this way and I'm this way. And how can we be more and more with each other these ways? Yeah. Yeah. I got it. This is so timely. I'm sure you're picking this up. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like, I uh, maybe a couple session with you guys right now. And so maybe this um, got, got I, booked on this day for a reason, right? For a reason. I, uh, yeah. I, I've started thinking again, I'm going to be very vulnerable. Uh, recently I've been thinking, is there something about the way my brain works that maybe like it enjoys almost being in that negative space? It enjoys, uh, because it's comfortable, maybe like focusing on the things that say need improvement versus looking at things with a different lens. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think your brain works like most people's brain. And I think, Uh you know, if you talk to a lot of people in relationship, they could come up with a couple complaints, like, you know, so you're not really alone, but if you could peel back the layers and possibly pick on the themes and maybe even see if there's some wounds there that keep showing up for you. um, Yeah. And widen your lens because I don't know how long you guys have been together and I do talk about this, but you know, I think part of the evolution of a, of a relationship is that you start to accept the whole person. So the bad, the bad, quote unquote bad, but the flaws and their noisiness or whatever there are traits are that, you know, we want to quote unquote fix. There's communication that can be improved. There's deepening that can happen. There's intimacy that can happen, but there are certain behaviors that are maybe quote annoying that aren't going to be changed. So it's around surrendering like to this whole person. I'm going to accept all of them. Even the parts that drive me a little nutty, I'm going to start to work on accepting them and focusing on both what I want to work on or possibly change and what is amazing and what is working. And so balance those energies out a little bit in your own lens every day. And it takes work. Sometimes it's just as simple as like, can I wake up in the morning and say, to your partner, three things you're grateful for. What do they do well? Reminding yourself that they do a lot of really little things well. And it, you know, it's, it's the little things. My, my husband, he doesn't do it right now, but he used to bring me a cup of coffee every morning. And Mm -hmm. I remember one time just telling him like how grateful I was. I mean, it, it was that little cup of coffee every morning. He used to tell me I was in a bad mood in the morning. And now I'm looking back and I wish I was even more grateful for that cup of coffee because it's those little things that can change the whole day. Just Mm -hmm. everything. For sure. You're so, so right. Um, Going back to attachment styles, um, just like the little that you, you explained um, so far, if I, if I, like, I just like to paint a bit of a picture, if that's okay with you, mm-hmm. I didn't mean Please for do. this to turn into a session. No, we can take okay. this offline at some point too, but, um, I'm actually just curious. So I, 
as much as I feel like I need him in so many ways, like I actually feel like I'm resonating more with the avoidant attachment. Mm -hmm. Um, so something that's, that has been, we've been together almost over 11 years now. Um, yeah, it's been a while. And I feel like the constant, right. Like that you feel throughout the years for us, at least has been that, like, I'm not a great communicator and he's Mm -hmm. not, um, he's not like very affectionate and like loving. And I think what it really is actually, like, if you've heard what he said so far, it's just that there's just, there tends to be like a bit of like a, like he notices more of the negative things that like, if I'm not a good, I'm not good at communicating, he might feel insecure. Then he doesn't Mm -hmm. like really connect in, in a way that like speaks to me, which is more through like affection or words of affirmation or yeah, like the gratefulness, the acceptance, like all of that, like really like opens me up and my guards come down and I feel, but the tricky thing about our dynamic is that like, we need one in order to feel the other way. So like Mm -hmm. he needs for me to be this like exceptional, like communicator, not exceptional. I don't mean that. And like, a, but like, I, I mean, he needs me to be more open and transparent, not transparent, but like better. Am I saying this right? I'm so bad at explaining things. Okay. Like he just needs me to be more like, he needs me to be better in his love language. And I need him to be better in mine in order for us to meet each other where like it feels good. Yeah, no, that's really common. And it sounds so that we have something called neuroception. And I talk about this a little bit in the book, but we're constantly scanning for safety or threat. And if we catch our partner rolling their eyes or on their phone, or there are all these cues and there can be internal cues or external cues, but you might catch her on her phone and he might be like, oh, she, she doesn't care about me or blah, blah, blah. And there's this whole story goes on. And then you look over to him and he's disconnected because we're always bidding for connection. And I feel like you guys might be cueing into they're, they don't care. They're not here right now. I mean, 11 years is huge and majorly Actually, 11 successful. years today. How weird is that? Is that it? we started talking. Wow. It was Memorial Day weekend, right? I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah, I think so. It was. That's so weird. Yeah. So there's a lot going on that's right in your relationship. And I think you guys are cueing each other to some wounding, Mm -hmm. which means when she's not open or connected, the story goes to this, or when he's not trying to spend time with me and he looks shut down, the story goes to this. And you're probably both trying to get back into connection and you both need to stretch in that way and start to assume that the other person isn't trying to hurt you. They're in a little bit of their own pain response. And I, I go a lot into the nervous system. So fight, flight, freeze, fawn. But, you know, if one person shuts down, like for an anxious person, if my partner shuts down, all my abandonment can get kind of come up to the surface and I can get angry. And so that's a normal response. Yeah. I see you shaking your head. And that's a normal response. That's actually what happens to a baby when they feel like that. Where did the other person go? They're not there. And the other person who sometimes is more avoidant, what really is going on is they're also activated, but in their activation, they flee. They distance themselves a little. They're not as present. So one person is like trying to like, they get angry, move in closer and get connection. And the other person is picking up on that and is moving away. And it doesn't matter whose nervous system set who off first. You're both in a state of um, activation. You're not in a state of calm connection. And so usually our 
relational energy and our nervous systems are very much connected. So if, if he goes into fear, you could go into fear. If she goes into fear, you could go into fear without even doing that intentionally. That's what happens unconsciously. And then the stories we make up to it and the blaming we do and the projecting we do, really it's our nervous system saying it's not safe to move closer to him right now. And he's saying, well, it's not safe to move closer to her right now when desperately both of you just want to be closer. So that's the unconscious kind of dance you're doing that um, can, if you turn to each other and you want to start to understand this is the way my system, if, if her system reacts in shutting down, she's not trying to disappear on you. She's feeling scared on that moment. And if his system acts and he wants to get into a fight, that's actually his way of trying to connect. Mm-hmm. But both those ways are signaling more fear. And so it's a, it's a, you're both trying to get into connection, but you're both kind of left in some strategies that are kind of keeping you in disconnection. Does that make sense? Yep. I, mean, I like that you, I mean, I talk about the anxious avoidant dance and, you know, a lot of people talk about that style. And the truth is, I think every relationship has a pattern and every relationship has some fear around an intimacy or fear around being left. And it's how it's coming up in in these little moments with each other that we need to start to become really conscious of. Mm. So I think it's cool because everybody dances and it doesn't mean that the relationship isn't good. A lot of people are like, oh, if you're anxious, you need a secure person. Or if you're avoidant, you need to secure. Everybody has a dance and it's whether or not you can get conscious of what's coming up and be tender and curious and start to see things from a nervous system and unconscious um like cues that are going on between you to start to change that patterning. Sure. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, I have a lot of thoughts, but I, I'm still stuck on, you talked about surrendering a few minutes ago and, and I want to touch on that because it's an interesting thing for me because I can recognize it. Like, let's say specifically in my life, I see some of my friends who I, they've almost said this, that they've surrendered, um, or I can see that they have in their relationships and they, they seem pretty happy. But at the same time, sometimes my brain says, yeah, but like you, you're always wrong. You never get your way, or, or these sort of things. And I've thought myself, like, how do I get there? Would I be happier if I could get to the point where I just said, like, just let it all go, just surrender. But my ego, I feel like always gets in the way of me doing that or fear because I feel like if I surrender and it doesn't work out, then like one, I've lost myself. And then two, like I've lost what I know to be my reality, you know? Wow. That's really deep. And I can totally relate to that um, myself personally. And I think, I think deepening is surrender. I mean, what is it that you're surrendering? You're surrendering your fear of abandonment, you're surrendering a little bit of attachment here, you're surrendering a little bit. Um, But the truth is that is actually a natural part of the relationship process, because when you can let go of that, then um, I just got chills more of (laughs) more of the evolution can take place as scary as it sounds, feeling into the pain of just letting go a little will create space within you where she will move closer, right. most likely. And so I know that everything is a risk. And if, if you are a little bit more anxious, you want to hold on. And um, holding on actually pushes an avoidant person away. It's, it's a paradox, you know? And so avoidant people have to work on being vulnerable mm-hmm. and moving in. 
And anxious people have to work on like surrendering and letting go of control. And so both the energy, so like one, one energy is kind of moving this way. And then that person is moving that way. Right. I don't know. I know this is going to be, so one, if my one hand is moving close to the other hand, the other hand is moving away. But when you surrender a little bit and you go back into self, I call it like become a little more selfful. It gives space for this to happen more too. Right. Mm -hmm. But this also the willingness to have this happen needs to be there. So we're talking energy here. Mm -hmm. So not only do you need to surrender, but she also needs to move forward in that surrender and become more vulnerable. But almost it's almost a mirroring when you do more surrendering, she can do more moving into vulnerability. And this might be really deep for the listeners, but there's always an energetic dance. So the more you kind of let go of what's scary for you and the more she can move in and be in vulnerability, which is actually what's scary for her. So you're letting go is scary and her being vulnerable is scary. So both of you guys are stepping into more of what is actually you're avoiding. Mm-hmm. Both are avoiding, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm just taking all that in. Yeah. It's, um, it's at least nice to hear that, um, that we aren't like wrong, that like, this is something that people deal with on a regular basis and that there is a dance and that's okay. And that like relationships have worked, um, in this dance. (laughs) I think like, that's the part that like, oftentimes when you feel like you can be avoidant, the fear of like it not working out, even though we've been doing this for so long is like almost always there. Yeah. I mean, so (laughs) it it is, but I think that living in a relationship with the intention of working on it is also living in the uncertainty that we have to wake up every day and cherish what we have and work on it. There's no certainty in anything. Right. Mm -hmm. But we have this like contract together and we have this life together and we're going to keep putting energy into it. We're going to keep putting money in the big, the piggy bank because we love each other. And so there's a degree of this that's out of all of our control. Right. And so sometimes we have to surrender to that, but also know that I chose this person. And so there's, some validity in the choice there and allowing it to unfold in a way that every day is a new day. And we don't know, we all, we always don't know. We, I think as human beings, we want everything to be forever, but I think the forever happens in the paradox of letting it unfold exactly the way it needs to be, rather than having to have this like fairy tale ending where you're together forever. It's like, you never really know, but with Mm -hmm. the right intentions and the right work, you just keep putting the money or the energy into the money bank and you keep evolving. That's what we all really want is to evolve together. Right. Do you think that just personally, do you think that two people are supposed to be together forever? Like, do you think that that exists and that is like the norm and that is what people should strive to have or yeah, I I don't know. You take it however you want. I'm just curious what you think. So this is again, not a black and white answer. I think as an anxious person, I'd like to evolve and grow in a sustainable way with my partner forever. And that is my truest desire because that's who I am. And that's my nature. There might be other people who don't believe that. I think it takes work to, and what I mean by work, it takes consciousness and an ability to be uncomfortable at times in order to evolve together. And sometimes we bump up into these edges and um, what might be work for me might look like what's different work for you, but 
It's about how can we continue to start to understand each other and what's coming up in new ways and new ways and not get stuck so much in our patterning. Because I do think um, there are sustainable relationships out there, but I, it's a spiritual thing, you know, I mean, you guys have been together for 11 years. And so you're going to come up to your biggest wounds, the deeper you fall in love, And the longer you are, the more of the wounding that surfaces, and it's more of an opportunity to heal more and more parts of yourselves. So it's, it's actually a beautiful thing. If you can reframe how you're seeing it as an opportunity, not only to heal yourself, but to heal, help heal each other. When you start to become more conscious of what's really going on, I would definitely say Imago would help that because we pick our partners for a reason. Mm -hmm. There are positive and negative traits of our primary caregivers. There's what we call developmental trauma that can get worked out in our relationships. And there's, so there's a reason that we pick that person. And I think when you marry someone, you make a vow to work through that consciously together. Mm -hmm. I love that you said that. Cause like, there's been, there's been a lot of times where we like, will vocalize, like, there's a reason we're here. There's a reason why we've lasted this long. There's a reason like why we continue to, to make it work. Um, and I would love to learn more about that style because I've never heard of it. Mm-hmm. Can you maybe give us just a little bit? I know we're, we're short on time, but can you just give us a little bit on that um, specific therapy? Yeah. Style? Yeah. Imago therapy. It's, it's image. It means image. And I, you know, I based a lot of the book on that because when you meet your partner, your work comes up. Everybody thinks the relationship work comes up, but really our partners bring up our own wounding, our own work. It shows up in the relational space. And that's where we're blaming and projection and control all takes place. And there's nothing wrong, but we're just not conscious. Mm-hmm. Right. So like I can blame my husband for abandoning me or neglect. And maybe he hasn't, if he hasn't been around, maybe there's some validity to that. But the truth is I had some abandonment in my childhood. So when any behavior like that shows up, it feels bigger for me. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's time for me not to blame him for everything, but to start to look at, look at the origins of what's coming up inside my body. And that's really what I think Imago does, but Imago therapy is, is a type of therapy for couples where they do the work together with a therapist, where the therapist helps them realize that the garbage, missing the garbage or missing date night, isn't really about that. What's really coming up and you build empathy for the, the backstory of what's going on and start to really understand what's going on in your partner's body. And it's with that curiosity and empathy, there's no fixing. There's just a deepening and mm-hmm. really understanding and in the deepening things shift. Mm-hmm. Changes happen, but it's not because you make the other person change. It's because now we have a better understanding of what's really going on. Yeah. And um, when is your next session? <laughs> um, can we switch iCals and make sure we can get something on there? Um, that's cool. That's so cool. Do you have anything yeah. to add? No, I think uh, this, this has been an awesome conversation. And I would, you're incredible. Uh, yeah, like you, you speak you. so. Um, like you can tell you're like, yeah, there's something deep in you. That's like, you're called to do this and you have such like an ease about you. And it makes, it made us, I, at least me yeah. feel really comfortable. Yeah. Same. Thanks. Yeah. And I can feel your energy. 11 years is amazing. So Aww. yeah, I mean, I can also set you up with an Imago therapist um, as well and, and help you guys, but you are meant to be together and you met me and this session mm-hmm. happened, but I mean, getting conscious of some of these patterns that are happening inside, like 
we all bump up against them. I bump up against them. Everybody does. They just, we're not talking about it enough. And so I'm grateful to have this conversation and have it get out there in the world and have more people feel like they're less alone in their relationship when they hit these bumps and these patterns exist. And there's ways to heal yourself, whether you're in a relationship or not. Um, You can always use the relational things as a flashlight inward. So thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Can you just um, share with our listeners where everyone can find you like on Instagram and find your book? Yeah. It's anxiously attached, becoming more secure in life and love. And you can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. It's like really out there in the universe now. So you just really need to plug in the name. And then my Instagram is Jessica Baum, LMHC. And then my website is beselffull.com. So, but you can just put Jessica Bauman anxiously attached and everything should show up. So, yeah. Thank you so much, Jessica. You're Um, welcome. We really appreciate your time and I hope that we get to connect again. Um, And I hope our listeners get as much as we did from this short time together. Yeah, no, I, yeah, no, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I was really excited to have you guys. It's funny. You're the second couple I had. And they've been very deep sessions when I get couples together. It's Sorry. Like, no, it's good. I, I like secretly wanted it to go there, but then we were like, no, we'll just stick to the listener questions and just like, you know, talk very vaguely. But no, this was awesome. Like, I think definitely. By putting it out there, you give other people permission to say that their relationship isn't perfect, but maybe that's what is right about it. That's where the work is showing up and Mm. no relationship is without work or else it would be really boring. Mm. (laughs) Yes. True. So true. Let's just end it right there. That was perfectly put. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jessica. Um, We'll make sure that we put everything in the show notes. Please check out her new book and follow her on Instagram. This was really awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Okay. Um, dang guys. I, uh, I don't really know what to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Um, I feel like I had a lot of, I had so many questions that I didn't even ask, but like what, um, what's the one that stuck out? Oh, I really wanted to ask her. I wanted to get super real with her and ask when we were talking about surrendering, if the work that she does with other people that she's you know, also done for herself, if that's made an impact on, uh, the way that she views surrendering or, or if it's allowed her to surrender, but also just like, has it had the impact that she wishes in her own relationship? She did say to some degree, like it it is like that, that helps draw that person in sometimes like, yeah, it's not like a quick fix. I think she said, but like in a lot of ways, like it helps, it feels safer. I, I forget exactly what she said, but what do you exactly mean by surrendering? It's uh, almost like it, in uh, other I, words, it sounds to me like, um, like, like giving in, but also what's, what's the word? Like, yeah. it's like, it sounds like giving in and it also sounds like, um, like settling. Is that what you're thinking when you say surrender? Um, I don't think that's what I'm thinking, but I think it's a mashup of all those things. Okay. You know, I think it's, uh, I can only talk about it from my perspective and maybe males can relate to this more than females or, or I don't know. But what I see is like, I see some buddies who I feel like 
like I can see the relationship from the outside, right? And there are things that I know when I'm looking at that that like wouldn't work for me or the way that they may be treated or whatever or how much they seem to have changed, which it's not a bad thing to change. And uh, I mean, I've had people tell me this like verbatim, like I just surrendered. Mm-hmm. you know or without telling me that like that's that's what i'm seeing that's i know what it, i think i up. know what you're saying and what you're seeing it's like the example would be you know a couple that might feel and look like not toxic by any means but like not like the gold standard that you're looking for and you still see that like minutia that like love that understanding that acceptance like no one's getting u- uber heated like no one's like there's just more acceptance and like more understanding in some ways. And you're probably looking at it going like, well, that's not like completely okay by me, but like, why is he chill? Yeah. Or they just seem like uh, generally Happy. happy, happier. <laughs> I don't know how you compare like happiness. Sure. Um, and it's, it's always had me curious, you know, and, and uh, I've thought about it over, over years. And my, like I told Jessica, my ego gets in the way fear gets in the way. Um, I, I question like in some ways, does that, does that mean I'm settling? You know, like if there are things, I, I think my fear is it's pr- it probably comes back to abandonment, but it also, it's like if things I know that don't work for me, um, are there. And I just, I don't know even how you surrender. I don't know if you put up a flag or <laughs> no, I, yeah, <laughs> hold continue. On, hold on. I know what you're saying. If I do that, like, what does that create for me? You know what I mean? Okay. Like, there are things that I'm just saying, if if certain things don't work and I just say, fuck it, like, fuck it, they don't work for me, but fuck it, you know? Am I going to feel like that forever? Or is there a shift, like, is surrendering some sort of shift that you're able to make where you go, like, that doesn't work for me, but it's okay? Dude, I, I, this is going to sound so basic. But like, you know how some people say like, you can choose to be happy. Mm. It's like, you can choose to have whatever perspective you want to have. And when you use the example of like, you know, having, tending to like see more of the negative sides of things sometimes, like if you were to literally just surrender those negative thoughts and choose to see that opposite side, like what bad could come of that? It might feel like you're you're losing control or like giving up what you think is most important to you, but if you're also consciously choosing to be more grateful or um, more like accepting or see more of that like positivity, there to me like there couldn't be anything like worse. Nothing worse could happen. Yeah. Um. I don't disagree with you. I think. I think. Uh, there's probably something there with just being comfortable in the way that you do something. Like your brain tells you, even though this may not give you the result that you want, it's comfortable, right? So it's like you fall back into your defaults. And I'm sure like that sort of thing is is at play. Well, I think it's really simply put, it's like you're used to working hard. And yeah. you think hard work equates to like hard, like big reward. Yeah. I, I told you this the other day. I like since I was a young kid playing sports, like everything's always been really regimented. And I was, I was basically taught in some ways to suffer if you want a result. Right. My problem is I I think suffering's okay to get where you want to get to, but if you're not very clear about where you want to get to, 
then like one, it, it always moves. The goalpost always moves. And then you're just always suffering. And you feel like you, you always, you have to continue to suffer to make any progress. Right. Right. Maybe this is going to. No, no. I, yeah, I think, I think people probably go, oh, okay, you hit that one on the head. Like, especially people who grew up with that sort of mentality or like maybe, um, parents that were just a bit more harsh, right? Like I think parenting styles have evolved and come so far. And now in like our generation, you hear about gentle parenting, you hear about, um, yeah, letting your child lead in some ways. Like we learned a lot about like HSP, which is highly sensitive people over the weekend and Andrew's shaking his head, but that's just how he operates because he thinks some of it's probably, um, I don't know what you think. What, what, why did you shake your head when I said HSP? I don't know. I don't know. No, I don't, I don't think that it's not a thing. Well, I am an HSP, so. No, we know, we know. Uh, and so is Geo, and likely so is Ivory. I'm not against any of these things. I'm actually a pretty open person. Like, I'm very receptive to learning and, and like, thinking about new ideas and, and trying different things. Um, but the tougher side of you wants to combat it and say, like, that we're, we're coddling or we're giving things maybe too much no, there's, there's Power. something that I didn't even know existed in me, but it's like, it's the way that I was parented, at least for my dad is like, at the end of the day, I was expected to just do what I was told, right? Like just, but were you happy? No. And no. how are your relationships? Relationships. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. then that's fine. I have one. Yeah. That's nice. <laughs> okay. Um, I didn't even know this was, was in me. And, and, and obviously I guess you wouldn't until you're a parent, you know, but I, I feel like. The, the challenge we're running into without like talking forever at this point is, is, uh, our kids are tough. Our kids are, our, our kids are amazing. They're so freaking funny. Um, they're obviously adorable as fuck. They're very you know, smart. They're very sensitive, especially geo. Um, but they're also really challenging. There's a lot of screaming in our house and it brings up a lot of feelings for me. It, like really rattles my nervous system and my brain. And that's where like my patients can fall short after a certain point, right? I mean, there, there really is a lot. What I find is that I'm now things are coming up where it's like, dude, I just like, I just want the kid to like do what I ask him, you know, mm. you know, yeah. like I don't, and I get it. Like I'm also doing the gentle parenting thing, but these other, like the other side also comes up sometimes where I'm just like, dude, this just like getting out the door is so hard. Can you just please do what I ask you to do so like we can do one thing and it can be smooth, right? So mm -hmm. it's just it's just this. And some kids might respond well to that. When we were touring preschools recently, they said there's a different approach for every kid. Some kids need it very black and white. Tell me to do this, I can do this. Some people, some kids need to be like literally hugged and like, I'll help you, let me walk with you. And like, that's how it gets done. And then some kids need it in like a jokey way. Like, let's make this silly and whatever. Like everyone has a different approach. And though you don't wanna have to, you don't wanna have to cater to everyone's style. But the reality is, is as we get older, we lean more and more into like who we are. And when you learn about attachment styles, which I'm so excited to read her book because, and I'm not even like a big book reader, but I will read this because I think that that helps people understand people and meet them where they are. And like, even though it may not be your particular style, if you have an understanding, you can get so much further. And at the end of the day, like our whole goal, especially with the kids, like going back to that is just to have a bit more success in parenting them and who they are. They don't owe us anything. 
I, I, when I read that, like whatever it was, this post that said something about like how your kid doesn't owe you anything. They don't owe you more sleep. They don't owe you to eat all their vegetables or they don't owe you to like make sure their homework's done. Like they don't owe you all these things. Right. I don't know if I'm even quoting that right, but it was just something that like made sense to me. It's like, they are who they are and they're still learning and growing and they have like in their own way, the weight of the world on their shoulders. Cause they're so little and so like dependent on us. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, no. I'm done ranting. I look, I don't I don't disagree with you. What I was going to say, what I was getting to was that what I what I've seen, it's not the first time is that when these when like when you these things come up and your patience runs thin and then you act in a way that may be a default that you really don't want to you don't want to be doing that thing or saying that thing. That's like it's like our conversation with with Jessica, it's a it's a projection, right? It's like I'm yes, I'm trying to parent, but I'm also dealing with all these other pressures over here. And that's what's like building into the way that I and them responding in this situation when ultimately like, that's not who I want to be. I want to be exactly who this kid or these kids need me to be, Mm. but it's a slip up because I've let all these other things affect me and I feel pressure and that now I'm different. Sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally get it. Like in the last couple of days when I've been like trying to be just, I don't know, like trying to be the best parent for them. And even though I'm not like doing it all right, it made me realize like the only reason why I'm able to even do this right now is because I've literally neglected absolutely everything. (laughs) Yeah. And that's not balance. So like, how do we figure it out? (laughs) I'm sure parents understand. I'm just, just want to be very real. We're great parents. Like we, we try really hard. Some situations, are, are really difficult for, for me. The screaming is really difficult because it's a lot. Um, I don't even know where I, I just totally blanked and I guess that's what it is. All right. <laughs> that's adulting like a mother father. <laughs> okay. Well, let's leave it there. We have a full episode next week. Our nice little closing episode for a little bit, um, where I'm sure a ton will happen from here until now that we can discuss then. Um, but until then you guys, thank you so much for your time and your support. And like, I'm not going to say anymore because I don't know. I don't want to cry, but thank you again. You guys means a lot. Thanks for listening to adulting like a mother, father, new episodes drop every Tuesday right here. So make sure you tune in for all the goods. Mm